by the way, because of the pandemic and everything, the MWR debate with the presidential and vice presidential candidates will be happening Thursday from seven to nine o'clock. So please do come. Well, then I guess since everyone is here, we'll get started. So first of all, thank you, uh, Mao and C1 for coming onto the podcast. I really appreciate it. And today we're just going to talk about election, general procedures, infraction and past behaviors of the candidates and the candidates themselves. We are allowed to talk about them a little bit. Definitely. Very excited to be here. Thank you again for having C1 and, and I here. So my first question is actually regarding Congress transparency about the past elections. Uh, so there have been some students in concern regarding the transparency behind some of the passing elections. For example, the infractions were not uh, exactly, let's say, publicized that much. Not in a bad way, but Congress sort of hushed it up a little bit. So can you uh, expect a bit more on that and the passing infractions and why uh, were the infractions given? Yeah, so if we are to go back a little bit to what happened last semester, uh, we have a part in our Congress bylaws, actually, that says that if a candidate reaches 25 uh, infraction points, then we will publicly announce it to the rest of um, the school. Now, keeping in mind with all the different circumstances that we're in, A, we're in a pandemic, B, we're all in an online setting, C, no first year know each other you guys have all met each other either online maybe you hung out with a few friends outside of class um but that's kind of really it so with all that in consideration it would have been simply inhumane to name the candidates that got in infraction points and to just like publicly shame them on whether it was like our congress website or like on our um, Facebook page, that would have simply been inhumane and it would have kind of literally detrimented their future at Monopolis. And so keeping that in mind, we also wanted, as you mentioned, to be as, transpa as transparent as we could. So with that in mind, we, like everyone knows in which position the candidates um, have been omitted. And on top of that, they also know why they've been omitted. So they know exactly the, the, the infraction points. They know if it's a major or a minor infraction. So all of these kind of happened uh, last semester. With that being said, we published this on our MSU page and on our website, the two most platforms that MSU students use. And obviously we can't keep it in forever because again, it is a loophole that, you know, there is a morale type of concern in it, you know? Um, so yeah, with the circumstances, this is the most transparent that we could have been because ultimately you guys do, like, I'm pretty sure you guys figured out who, ended up being disqualified and who ended up being in. Um, so yeah, that's kind of all I have to say about that. I don't know if when you want to add something to that. Yeah, Congress has always been very transparent on their discussions and on their affairs. As executive of Ameri News, I attend most of the uh, weekly meetings. And I do remember for last, uh, last elections, they were very open about discussing the infractions that occurred. They even posted the list of infractions with candidates, but anonymously. We did write the Congress weekly report that week after the, the elections. We mentioned what happened, but we did not go into details. We did not mention their names because we protect the privacy of the, our students. Yeah, it's exactly. I, yeah, I completely understand the anonymous part and 
personally, if I were a candidate and if I committed something wrong, of course, I also want my identity to be protected. So uh, my question then would be, uh, do you think there would be a way to elaborate more a bit on the infractions, for example, to clarify more rules on infractions and uh, therefore allow the candidates to, in the future, to avoid those infractions? Do you think Congress could maybe generate a set of laws that's more concrete than just saying, um, for example, not limited to this, but it, this might also be considered as infraction. Is it possible for the Congress to make something clearer? So right now, the way that it's put out is that you know exactly what you're allowed and what you're not allowed to do. Um, so you have a set of like things that you are allowed to do. So this includes you're only allowed to post on the MSU Facebook page. You're only allowed to have two posts a day. Um, so these are certain guidelines that all candidates know about. They've always been known about. If, if you are a candidate and if you're interested in running, then these are things that you would know beforehand. Now, when the ERC meets with the candidates, it's to make sure that they completely understand it because the whole point of having infractions is to make sure that the elections happen in a safe and fair way. Because if not, then like, say like CUN and I were running and there were no infractions and CUN could make, make 500 posts a day on Facebook and I could only post one and it just makes it unfair. So that's kind of like the, the in terms of like the guidelines of um, electoral rules, like they're pretty simple, they're pretty straightforward. Now, what we kind of need to talk about, I guess, at this point is infraction points and how we kind of translate like things that are illegal, quote unquote, to like infraction points. And I, I can totally understand as to why that could be confusing. But still, again, it's really not that complex. It's like if, for example, you have like a missed endorsement post, you would obviously get a minor infraction. So these are things that are listed out in the elections guide. These are things that are listed out in the Congress bylaws, so things that are, that are out on the website um, open. If candidates come to me and let me know that they want something a lot more clear and concise, then the ERC will be more than happy to work on that. But so far, at least from what you know, we've seen in the previous semesters and the previous years, it seems to be pretty okay. I don't know if you and you wanna share something to add to that. I mean, MWR doesn't do much yeah. with the demerit points. Exactly. Yeah. So never mind. Oh, I'll let Camila go first. Thanks, Henry. So on the same topic, actually, um, while going through some of the um, like rules and regulations when it comes to election and what the candidates are and are not allowed to do. Um, I came across one of the things that are considered to be a major infraction, which is listed here as um, violation of fair play. And I was just wondering if maybe one of you could elaborate a little bit on that for like the average viewer like myself to understand what's the context behind that, because just the term fair play as a whole might be a little general for an average MSU um, member like myself. Of course, definitely. So the one of the reasons as to why it's vague is because 
just to answer like the the part of it of being a little vague one of the reasons as to why we say like fair play not something more specific is simply just because it depends on the circumstance it depends on the situation that's why we have a different ERC committee that renews every semester with every election because every election season we deal with something else so for example if we have a major infraction a violation of fair play this could include pre-campaigning This uh, is fair play because right now you're not playing in an equal field. Um, You campaigned before, so you've had more advantage over the other candidates. So this is would be considered an unfair play. You're not playing the game fairly. That would be considered a major infraction point. So depending on like the level of it, you would get either 10 to 15 uh, demerit points. The reason as to why I can't tell you if it's going to be exactly 10 or 15 or 20 demerit points is simply because with each candidate, it's different. And every candidate gets an ERC member who looks into it specifically in detail. And then we determine as a whole how many it gets. So yeah, that's kind of the whole purpose of fair play. Like whenever you do something that's unfair to the other candidates specifically, that's um, a violation of fair play. And then again, there are also like other extreme like things that could happen, such as being like racially abusive or sexually aggressive um, in your post. But we've obviously never come to that level. It's mostly like internal between the candidates. Um, I hope that uh, kind of answers your question. Please let me know if I can elaborate a little more. Most definitely. That was a a great answer. Thank you very, very much. Um, I also have another question regarding the same list of rules. Um, Under the category of systemic harassment or excessive harassment towards voters or other candidates. Could you maybe elaborate on that just a tad bit as well, just to inform um, everybody so that we're all on the same page? No, of course, definitely. So usually like in campaigning week, it's kind of normal for everyone to receive one or two messages from candidates who are running. Uh, They might be like interested in just like texting you their ideas. Some of them might invite you for a call. and talk to you about their ideas. Now, that's fine. These are just candidates who, you know, want to hear you out. Now, if you've said, for example, thank you, that's great, I'll consider it. Um, and they and the candidate still continues to reach out to you and just kind of like overboard your entire like messaging, like message system or your call system with campaign posts. Now that could be considered as excessive harassment because after you've given them your response, which is, okay, great, thank you so much. I'll check it out later they still continue to like bombard you personally with their post. Um, so that can be considered as excessive harassment. This happens on a very individual level. So if you personally feel like a candidate specifically has been repetitively, non-stoppingly, like just reaching out to you, you know, without kind of any consideration, um, then you would reach out to an ERC member, letting them know that this is what's happening. And you would send screenshots of it and we would kind of analyze and see. And if there is excessive harassment, then obviously we're going to go out for the candidate and um, try to solve the issue. But that's kind of what it is. It doesn't really happen on a collective level because it's systemized. Like we all know how many posts a day we're getting per candidate on Facebook and on their website and Instagram. But it's very on an individual level. Um, yeah, if you feel like someone's just annoying you, like a borderline annoying, as soon as it starts, as feels like border, like excessively annoying, you would have to reach out to an ERC member. Amazing. Thank you so much. Back to you, Henry. Well, thank you, Camilla. You brought up two very good points. Uh, so the first one is actually 
a bit of more about the subjective nature of the case-by-case -case scenario. So back to the ERC committees, I know it's very individualized and case-by-case -case and every candidate's different, every election is different, but are there some general guidelines behind the decisions that ERC members make uh, in regards to how much demerit points they reward or not really reward in the positive sense, I guess, to a candidate who committed an infraction or is just really based on like, a discussion process, but there's no really rules or regulations behind the ERC community's action. No, we definitely have a process um, to go through. So first step would obviously be like, say like candidate X is reaching out to um, her ERC member. And so the first thing that the ERC member would do would be to text our group chat. And then together as a group, we would first validate like whether it's like a valid claim or not if it was just like whatever then we will let it slide um if, it, if it's a valid claim then first we spend um we spend a meeting discussing whether it's a major or minor infection because that kind of really sets it apart we kind of see well we have to see what rule they broke for example if it's simply like forgetting the header on an on like your Facebook post and you would get um, five demerit points. That's pretty simple because it's usually just a logistical mistake that you can, you know, fix. But however, if we find out like throughout mid-election that you've been pre-campaigning and someone sends a screenshot, a screenshots of you pre-campaigning, then that obviously once we discuss um, would come off as a major infraction. Um, and looking at where we would be in the election cycle, we would discuss as a team like how many points of, of a major infraction would be attributed to it. Because for this, we also have to consider like A, the level of the, the, the infraction itself. We have to, if it's pre-campaigning, then it's very serious. If it's a simple logistical error, then obviously it's very fine. Um, you know, so, so that's kind of the, the procedure that the MWR follows. We have our Google Docs where we like note down how many indoor, like everything um, so yeah, no, there is a very strict process to it. No, we don't just like sit and decide how many demerit points we're going to give um, to candidates. It's a, it's a pretty thorough one. And even last semester, it took us days before we finalized at some demerit points. Yeah. I think, uh, I think last uh, semester, there was some, there might have been some confusion about the regulations among the candidates especially for the subjective ones such as like harassment since it was our first semester online you you don't interact with people people face to face it's not too easy to know at what point it becomes too much so we're hoping that this is our second semester online like we know how to deal with this we hopefully so we're hoping everything will be a lot better Understood. Exactly. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for your answers. That was very, very clear. And on the same topic, actually, so my question would be, uh, is Congress using precedents in the attribution of demerit points, or are they just going on every time it's a new process and they are not looking at precedents? Um, precedent, do you mean like for candidates that are running like this semester, if we look at their president? Uh, no, I'm... Meaning, for example, like in even like in a legal situation, for example, there was a similar case in the past, and then the judge, for example, would make a decision based on that case because it was very similar to a present case. So, right. uh, would the ERC consider to use precedents in the past elections to make any sort of judgment on the present election? 
Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If we were to make any, like, like judgments or things to, like, quote-unquote, learn from from the last semester, we have a list of things that have been, like, either slightly modified or changed um, this year, whether it's, like, making sure that new campaign material is only published on Facebook and Instagram and their personal websites, or making sure that they reach out to their ERC member as soon as they can with their elections posts. Like a lot of measures have been put into place to make sure that we don't kind of get to that same spot as last year, as UN was mentioning of that online world where no one really was sure of what was happening. And there was, you know, cases of a few individual cases of excessive harassment um, and everything. If this answers your question, uh, but let me know if I'm missing something that you'd like me to say. I'm more thinking along the lines, for yeah. example, in making a decision, for example, okay. uh, if uh, let's say this semester there was a candidate, I'm not saying anyone will do this, but um, if there's a candidate who's committing uh, excessive harassment, so would we use, for example, the precedent from the last election, which was very similar to this one, to make a judgment based on how much the mirror point they would win, I guess, or how much like um, infraction points, things like that? This is a little hard to say because again, this is not something that's been like clearly written out in our uh, bylaws. And obviously with an online year, it's very difficult to add things. So definitely for next year, we're gonna add a little more specifics to it. But for this year, at least, I know we cannot make a judgment on like a person's past actions, especially if it's been a while and if you've been disqualified or if you've been like anonymously like put in on Facebook, then you are most likely to, more than most likely to have learned um, your lesson or something, you know? So no, I don't think that this semester, we won't look at how you ran in the previous semester or like if you've had five or 10, obviously if you've been disqualified, that's a whole different thing. Um, but no, for a regular candidate who just simply ran um, last semester, we would not look at like if they have five demerit points for logistical error, then we're not going to hold that into account this election. However, for the candidates that have been either disqualified or been anonymously put online, we do have to make a few considerations for them. And when I mean considerations, it's not like we're going to look back at like if they've had 25 demerit points, we're not going to add those to this one. What it means is that they simply need to learn things about election and fair play. So what we need to make sure is that like punishing people and giving them points for it is not going to do anything at all. These people, what we need to do with them is simply talk to them and let them know very explicitly why we put these rules into place. Um, so at least for this semester, that's the approach that we'll be taking. Understood. Yes, thank you for that. And uh, yes, Camilla. Yeah, thank you, Henry, and uh, thank you guys for your answers. Um, I have two little questions, if that's all right. The first is on the topic of club endorsement. So I was going through the list of rules or in the Congress bylaws, actually, under the section of um, club endorsement. And if I understood correctly, for a club to be able to endorse a candidate, two thirds of the members in that club must unanimously voted on and agree that um, the club will endorse said candidate for the club to publicly endorse the candidate. Um, but I was wondering why is it mandatory that in the Google Forms that the club is to use to consider these decisions of the members, um, why is it necessary for the members' personal information 
such as names and student number to be listed? And why could it not instead be a, um, an anonymous um, vote? Perhaps because me personally, I don't, I do not have like an issue with it, but I, I can see some people being not comfortable publicly saying no or feeling the peer pressure to vote yes for club endorsement if it seems like the other club members are for this candidate since um, somebody will be seeing this data at the end of the day and um, you might feel the pressure not to be the one standing out. So um, can I get your inputs on this? Yeah, no, definitely. So first of all, just to like clear some, uh, just to make some clarifications, uh, the only people that get to see the data from the club endorsement Google Forms are not even the candidates, only the club execs um, and the ERC member. That's it. We don't publish the data from the club endorsement, so it does. We don't really know who said yes and who said no, um, except for the ERC. But that again, we don't really care about that. We just want to make sure that the two thirds is there. So that's kind of about the the whole logistics of it, like as to who gets to see this information and who has access to this information. Um, more about like the privacy aspect of it. So like if your name and everything, this is really for the ERC member to make sure that you're an actual member of that club. Like we need to know what your name is and what your student number is so that we can check, oh, are you actually in this club? Are you a member? We can maybe ask your execs if you're an active member. Like we, this is just like, a, like, like to make sure that everything is happening properly and safely and fairly again, to make sure like no one made up a name just to like vote for you or like you didn't just like make up a student number just to like say yes, you know, just to get your club endorsement. So it's really just a safety precaution method that we kind of use to make sure that it goes uh, smoothly and fairly and that the people that are saying are going to vote for you are actually real people who do end up voting for you. Um, but yeah, again, this is not information that is accessible to the public. Um, it's really just for the ERC members and the club executives of the said club who get to see this information. Yeah. Yeah, as a club exec myself, um, our club has endorsed a slate really nobody else other than the executives and the ERC member gets to see the names. As for our club, as an example, we have many active members that are actually graduates. So like we do need uh, their student numbers to be sure like you are currently studying at Marinopolis or else it's kind of really weird getting a McGill student. <laughs> voting yeah exactly we a lot of like we need to just make sure you guys are like in the msu and everything yes thank you thank you both so much for your answers that really helps clear things up and explains a lot of the mechanics and the thinking that goes on behind the scene um just very quickly my only other question would be so that the other day I was talking to a friend of mine um, who also goes to Marinopolis and the funny thing is I brought up the elections and she wasn't even aware of the election going on so um, we I guess we all understand that in this situation right now with everything being online not everybody uses every platform that is out there and there's a lot of this connection going on between different members of the student body with the staff with the school and um, so my question would be, how, how is Congress going to approach this problem to make sure that information regarding the election will reach as many students as possible? Yeah, no, this is a really like, this is a really big topic and not only for elections, but for anything that Congress does, like it's a really big, especially in this world, 
where in this day and age we don't it's hard for us to even keep in touch with our teachers um you know let alone being on like social media all the time and keeping up with our schoolmates and everything like it's a lot this semester right so this whole year actually so yeah no just to like make them contextual points this is a concern for across the board let alone just elections but elections specifically um as you said most of the people in person or like in person for example only about half of the student population votes so yeah, that's kind of like the, the statistics in person. Now online, it's a whole different conversation. Am I right? Like, it's like we don't obviously with school. It's like, do we do we go on Zoom or Google Teams or Google Meets? And like, there's a whole different thing happening. So really, like, the best way obviously our target goal was to reach out to as many students as we can, uh, but also do it in as in the most fair way. As possible now the most like uh, uh, for example like i don't know like we tell all the students that we have the msu facebook group and i know some people are not comfortable with having a facebook account but in case of that we candidates are also allowed to have a website where they can go and check out their campaign or they also they're also allowed to use instagram um to kind of reach out to the most people that we could um our, to the director of student services Letitia Janssen sent out like a message on Omnivox informing people of when the elections are and when the dates are and it should also be written like where you can go and check out their campaigns on top of their website um so that was kind of like our way of reaching out to like all students of Mary but obviously like I said just in person only half of like less than half of them really care um in online the numbers should also like you know should be around the same thing if not a little less um, so with that being said, like right now, our best platforms are really like Facebook, where we have the most students in the MSU group. That way it really reaches out to them as much as it can. Um, and yeah, so although that it is a little worrying and I, as much as Camilla, I would love for your friend to know about the elections and to kind of keep up with it. There is like to a certain extent to which Congress can go when it comes to like informing everyone know in this online world. Um, yeah, I don't know if you have any comments or things you want to say to that. We highly suggest all students to read the Congress Weekly that MWR publishes every week. They're a really short, quite short summary of everything that's happening in MSU. We were supposed to announce the elections and the debates for this week and next week on our Congress Weekly this week but uh, our website decided to crash. So we'll be posting as MWR on Facebook still. So please keep a lookout for that if you wanna keep up uh, with the news. Yeah, once again, thank you both for your answers. And uh, thank you C1 for reminding the students to check out the um, Maranopolis newspaper where you guys could keep up with the news. And um, thank you, Miss Vice President, for your very elaborated <laughs> answer. I'm sorry, I'm running out of words, but thank you very much. Um, Henry, back to you. Um, yes, back to the election in general. Uh, my question is actually regarding I don't know if it, it's a potential loophole in the constitution or bylaw that needs to be fixed. So it's actually regarding the club endorsement. So uh, a candidate, if he is belonging to a club and his club is endorsing him as a 
candidate, then he himself cannot uh, sign the endorsement form. Uh, am I wrong? You're right. He himself cannot sign the endorsement form. If he does, then we don't count it. Okay, understood. But however, if uh, if the candidate is running in a slate, for example, for vice president or president, his partner can potentially sign the form to endorse him because there's no really uh, written, it's not written in the constitution that his partner or her partner cannot sign the endorsement for um, the candidate. However, a candidate running according to the constitution, he cannot, he or she cannot endorse another candidate, so to speak. So would that be violating the constitution in a way and should that be deserving of demerit points? Right. So the rule that says that candidates are not allowed to endorse other candidates, this is publicly. So if, for example, like both CUN and you were running for president, then CUN would not publicly be allowed to endorse you on either Facebook um, or Instagram or like the other like social media platforms that other people use to endorse. So like that is kind of where the rule stops now. Okay, so let's go specifically on the president, vice president um, club endorsement since it's a slate endorsement. I think that's kind of what you were referring to. Well, the thing is, since they're voted upon separately, like when you actually vote, you will vote for your president separately and then for your vice president. Like it doesn't, they don't necessarily have to win together. So because you vote on them on, a, on an individual basis and they're only running together like as like, as a sort of way to like share ideas and share a common platform. Say like, if you're running for vice president, then you could like in a club form, you could say, I'm voting for this person as president. And it could just be like your personal vote, like to who you think should be president. Um, in that case, your vote would count. However, publicly, you can't do it at all. Like if you do it, then infraction. Um, but privately, it's not an endorsement. You're just simply saying like, who you're gonna vote for. And obviously, again, this is done in a very private setting. Um, so yeah, I don't know if that's, that answers your question. No, that answers my question perfectly. Thank you so much. Okay, so I guess some final question would just be regarding the candidates. We'll not be endorsing them in any way. We hope we don't show our biases in this podcast. Uh, we'll just be talking about their platforms, what they're running for and their ideas and what they will bring potentially bring to the MSU student body. So let's first start off with Ms. Andin and Mr. Pratham. So I can start with um, my own members of Congress that are here. Um, so the first slate is Pratham Mehta, who is running with Anne Lin. Pratham is running for president. He is currently our coordinator of external affairs and is uh, currently our coordinator of internal affairs. Uh, they've both been doing a fantastic job on Congress this entire year and I'm I'm sure that you guys can check out their platform they have a brilliant website as well as um, their Instagram and Facebook same as the other three candidates but so yeah so that's uh, Pratham and Anne they're both running in a slate Pratham is running for president and Anne is running for vice president the second slate is Holly and Neil so they're both current students at Marinopolis as you know um, Holly is running for president and Neil is currently running for vice president. They've also laid out their entire campaign ideas regarding like the environment and like the logistics of it um, on Facebook. They have a website and they have their Instagram. So this is also the second slate. Holly is running for president and Neil is running for vice for her vice president. And yeah, and our last candidate who is actually running independently is Fei Yang. 
Feng, I'm not sure how to pronounce his last name, so I won't butcher it, but um, Feng is running for president and he's running independently. He ran last semester as well for, I believe, coordinator of external affairs, if I'm not wrong. Yeah, coordinator of external affairs. And yeah, he's running again this year for president. And he also has a website as well as his posts on Facebook and his Instagram that you guys could follow to catch up more on. That's kind of all I can say about the slates and the candidates. Uh, Actually, MWR will be uh, having an interview with each of the candidates today, later in the evening. We'll be posting those interviews on the MSU Facebook page and the MWR Facebook page. Our team came up with a lot of really interesting questions, so please do look forward to that. And we will post them in the video description or podcast description, depending on where you're listening. And just one final question regarding to the uh, coordinators positions. So when were the coordinators candidates be known? And if we can know them now, can you also talk a, a bit more about their platforms? No, we cannot know them before the coordinator campaigning week starts, unfortunately. Uh, I know you guys are very excited, but we haven't even finished the first week of elections yet. So we're going to wait a little bit for the second one to start. I don't even know about their platforms. No one does. No one is supposed to. Uh, no one is supposed to know about their campaigning or any, or any ideas or even who they are before campaigning starts. The coordinators, I believe, will start April 5th that we start for the coordinators election. So and yeah, we will see all together on April 5th about the coordinators And we can even do the same podcast for the coordinators, but more specifically to their positions as well, since actually it'll be a lot more positions. We also have appointments if you want to like discuss appointments as well, Henry. Uh, But yeah, unfortunately for now, I cannot say anything about coordinators other than it starts on April 5th. (laughs) Then I will not ask for any more, uh, unless Camila has more questions. Um, No questions regarding that, although I do look forward to another podcast similar to this covering the positions of the coordinators um maybe with the same guesses as well since they've been lovely today um i do okay i have a tiny tiny question so if i understood correctly second years are also invited to run for the president and vice president position also are they going to graduate or only second years who intend on staying here for the next academic year, like the full academic year, can run for president and vice president. So if you're taking a full third year and you're a second year right now, then because some people are in music uh, or some people are in like, um, you know, like three-year programs. So in that case, you can run in your second year, no worries. But if you are staying here for example, like an extra semester, um, then that would not be, you wouldn't be eligible to run. Okay. so. Only second years who meet the requirements are exactly okay. Thank you. Exactly. Perfect. Well, thank you, Mao and Siwan, for coming onto the show. It was really lovely, as Camila said. Thank you for inviting us. It was really nice to be here. It was really nice talking to you, Camila and Henry. I love seeing faces. I love seeing first years. So it was really, really nice to talk to you. You guys are doing a fantastic job. I know this is a new club. So this is great. You guys are doing like super. I'm loving it. And yeah, I really hope we get to talk about the coordinators in a week or so. 
Yeah, perfect. And with that, we'll end the podcast. And guys, if you're doing this on uh, on YouTube, the link to our newspaper will be down in the description below, as well as the interview for the upcoming candidates. Do be on the lookout for that. And if you're uh, on a podcast platform such as Spotify, they will also be in the description. So just click on them and take it to your favorite place to get MSU news, which is MWR. And that's it for us. Thank you for listening and. Uh, Enjoy the rest of your week. Thank you, everyone, who tuned in to listen. I hope you enjoy listening to this episode as much as we did during the interview. We look forward to seeing you at our next broadcast. Cheers.